And just like that, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Good morning to all you watching on the live stream today. Buenos dias. It's great to have you here. And today, first of all, if you're new, we just want to say welcome. And um, online, on mylcc.info, there's actually a contact card there. We would love for you to fill that out. You can find out more information about LCC. That is on mylcc.info. Um, a couple things to know about LCC. Um, first of all, Jesus Christ is the head of this church. Uh, he's the reason we're here today. He's the reason we've, we've come together. It's because of what he's, he's done for us. The second thing is that we, as a church, we exist in small group families, and we come together on Sundays to celebrate, uh, to hear his word, uh, and to encourage each other. So that's why we're here this morning, and I guess for some coffee, too. So... Um, a couple announcements just to kind of keep you updated on things going on around here. Uh, this Thursday, right, this Thursday, yeah, March 31st, uh, we are having a prayer meeting here at the church, and it's all centered around how our church can, can learn to grow in being a church of many cultures. So we just want to invite you to come out. There'll be uh, other people there just to, just to pray together. Um, we'll spend an hour just praying and, and talking about that together, so we're really excited. That's this uh, Thursday, March 31st. Okay. Um, out in the lobby, we want to let you know, too, that uh, we, we partner with a um, missionary family in Honduras, the Sowers family. Um, many people at LCC sponsor kids there, and there's letters written back and forth, and we want to let you know those letters have come in. So if you haven't picked up your letters, check at the lobby out there. Um, and if you're interested in sponsoring a kid, um, that's on my LCC. Info. Or if you're interested in, we've got a team going this summer to Honduras. You can support them on mylcc.info. All right, one more announcement. This is the fourth one, okay? Our worship leader, Brett, is not here this morning because the little one has come. That's right. It's awesome. Um, he arrived Thursday morning, Boston, Guy Machat, all six pounds, 12 ounces of him. So he's not here today. So we, we celebrate with you uh, today and are really excited for him to be part of our family too. So I invite you, let's stand together and we're, gonna, we're just gonna worship God and give him thanks, give him the glory he deserves. This song is a song about trust and trusting in him. So let's, let's worship him in that way. Father God, we just pray that that would be true of us in our lives today, tomorrow, this week. God, that we would not fear the waves that come but God, we would trust you, trust the plan that you have, and trust that you are in control. God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Would you fill Tom with your spirit and help him to speak directly to our lives? We pray these things in Jesus' name. You can have a seat. Well, amen, and good morning. Um, it's obviously spring, <laughs> right? Um, so when you, you know, you, you plan to share something with everybody at the end of March and you figure it's safe to talk about spring because it won't be snowing on March, uh, what are we, 27th? Um, but, but it is, I mean, the calendar says it's spring and in some places I'm sure it's spring. Um, and, uh, and spring for me. Spring for me means, uh, means one thing really important, and um, that thing is baseball, okay? 
I know that many of you don't care. I don't care that you don't care. It means baseball. It's time for baseball again. Um, if you follow the news this winter, they finally stopped fighting with each other so they can play professional baseball again, and, and I can put it in front of my eyes and, 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 and watch it. But along with baseball um, comes this other thing, because inside of me, okay, inside of me, this 40-something-year-old man lives, uh, lives a nine-year-old boy. And um, one of the things that I love about baseball, and actually I ran into somebody a little while ago who saw me with my hobby, I love collecting baseball cards. I do. Um, I realize that I am a grown man who is purchasing pictures of other men on pieces of cardboard and putting them in boxes and books and looking at them and trading them. I get it. I just don't care anymore. Okay? Um, I enjoy it. It's, it's, a, it's a hobby. It's a diversion. It's something that I enjoy doing. And, um, and, but with that comes, um, I mean, as with anything that you can be interested in for the most part in a consumerist society comes like a sort of a never-ending uh, opportunity to spend money. And um, <clears throat> this is going to shock many of you, but I have restraint issues, okay? Um, I, I, at times, have a hard time saying no. And so I did something. I did something and, and, um, about baseball cards, and it's actually I added the most important card to my collection, right? And it's this card, okay? <laughs> it's this card. This is a PayPal cash card, debit card. What it allows me to do is put money into my PayPal account, and then I can't spend more than is in there, okay? I had to put myself on an allowance. I'm not proud of it, but I had to do it. But the other side of it, it's, it yes, it's restraint, but the other side of it is that I know, okay, I know that right now there's money there set aside for this thing that I like to do, Okay? It's there. It's not in, it's kind of like, it's kind of outside the budget. It's special. It's set apart. Have you ever had to do that? Maybe you haven't, okay? Maybe you're much, you have, you have much more restraint in your daily life than I do. But have you ever like taken something and identified it for a purpose and then set it aside for that thing and not messed with it, okay? Saved up for a big purchase, perhaps. Perhaps this is, you know, your view on your retirement savings. Maybe it's actually an object. Maybe you have something in your home, that the, the nice dishes that only come out when it's a holiday or when you have company. Or We don't do that. We get the nice paper out on the holidays, okay? But that may be your thing, okay? Today we're going to talk about, we're going we're to talk through, actually this is kind of part two, well it's part eight of a nine part, but it's part two of a two part within the... Anyway, you get it. Um, but, but we're, we're going to talk about what it means like to be, to be set apart, like God has set us apart. And how that, that being set apart, how that's part of God's unfolding plan that is yet to come, that we haven't experienced or lived all of it yet, but it's still real. And so we've been in the book of 1 Thessalonians and... Um, the city of Thessalonica, Paul has written this letter to the, the Christians in the city of Thessalonica. Um, you you can, can read about uh, his visit there in Acts 15, 16 uh, on his missionary journey. And, and he, he has gone down to Corinth and Athens at the bottom, of, you see on that map. He's down there and he's, he's received a report um, back from, from his, uh, his friend Timothy. He, he, let, or he sent to those cities. And Timothy's now come back, and, and Timothy's given a good report. And so Paul writes this letter. It's very encouraging. Um, we've, been, we've been in it for, for a couple months now, looking at, at what he says, and he encourages them to stay the course. 
And here, but here at the end of the letter, we started last week looking at um, some specific questions that the Christians in Thessalonica had asked him. And, and, and they need some answers to their questions. And, and it has to do with the, the whole big picture of God's uh, revelation, God's story, we might say, that God created a perfect world, and, and it, was, it was good, but then sin enters, and now we, we live in this, this is-can-be sort of like section of the story where sin is sin, and, and, and the brokenness of the world is present in front of us, but, but by faith, we can bring to bear God's goodness in our world. But their questions had an awful lot to do with that bottom right-hand box, the, the recreation, like God's promise that, this, he's, that, that Jesus said, I'm coming back, and, and when I come back, I'm going to set things right, right? So, it, so, so their questions had to do with, like, what's going to happen with that, okay? And, and last week, we looked at a specific question, and I'm just going to read 1 Thessalonians 4, if you, and, and we're going to pick up in chapter 5 here in just a minute. But I just want to read through the end of 4, the passage we looked at last week, before we get into 5. Because he says this, he says, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who who do, others, others do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And remember last week, fallen asleep was a word that meant like they had died, okay? So, so those who had fallen asleep, <clears throat> who are dead. He said, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, when Christ returns, we will not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So, so the, the big question was, what happens to those who have died, and, and are they going to miss out on the benefit of Jesus' return? And Paul says, absolutely not. They get, like, sort of, they get, they get first, okay? They're in a place of honor. Verse 17, he says, then, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord, which is the, the big promise here, right? We will be with the Lord. And he says in verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. It's encouraging. We don't, we don't grieve as those who don't have hope. He says we, 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 we have hope when, when we've lost someone, right? When we've lost someone, we have hope that they will experience the resurrection. And so to, to sum up last week, we just talked about these three things. The dead will be raised. These are promises from God. The dead will be raised. Like those who have died, they, 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 this is not the end of their story, right? But then number two, living Christians, we're going to be transformed. We'll be changed. We will meet Jesus. And that, that change, we cannot meet him as we are. And so we'll be changed. But, but ultimately, the big promise is that Jesus is going to be present with us from that point forward on into the future. That's why the future promise is so good. All the benefits, all the good stuff comes because Jesus will be present with us. And so, so that, was, that was last week. Now we're going to start in chapter 5, okay? Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. So because, again, it's sort of one section for 4.13 through 5.11. So let's take a look. If you've got your Bible, and this will be on the screen for you if you don't, in chapter 5, verse 1, says this. Paul writes, he continues this thought, but he says, now, Concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Okay? So he breaks, this, he breaks the, these ideas up and he says, now. Okay? 
Now that we're straight on this question about, about what happens to those who've died, okay, do they still get the benefit of the resurrection? He says, okay, well, now, concerning the times and the seasons, you have no need to have anything written to you, okay? Now, all the question about, like, hey, you know, when's this going to be? How will we know? Is there any anticipation? And Paul says, yeah, don't worry about that. That you don't have need for that stuff to be written to you, okay? Don't put, an em- put your emphasis there, he says. Don't concern yourselves with that question of like, okay, am I going to be able to see it coming, okay? He says it, I'm going to re- make a point, and I'm going to walk away from it, and we're going to move forward. He says in verse 2, okay? If he says don't worry about it, I'm going to not worry about it. Verse 2, for you yourselves are aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, we've got another phrase here. We talked about some phrases last week. Um, day of the Lord, it, it's pr- best understood here. The, the phrase day of the Lord gets used throughout the scriptures. It's best understood here. Remember last week we talked about the parousia, like the coming of the Lord, coming of Jesus, the appearance of Jesus. This is sort of like, okay, once he appears, it ushers in this day of the Lord or this, this time where the Lord is present. So the, the coming is like, the first step, and now the day of the Lord is, this, is the period of time where he reigns, okay? His reign, his present tense reign is, is unmitigated. There's nothing standing between him and us. It's realized. So you're, you are aware that the day of the Lord, that time, it's going to come like a thief in the night. The point being, like, thief in the night, and if you are old enough to have been blessed, I shared a little bit last week about some of the, the fears I grew up with. One of the fears, I, the reason, one of the reasons I feared this so much is I grew up with a a movie series called Thief in the Night um, that horrified me, and it was based on this verse, okay? But the idea is that <clears throat> Jesus is going to come, and he's going to come like a thief in the night, meaning there is no, like, the, the, there is no, no, no seeing it coming, right? It's going to, it'll happen, and it'll happen when you're not looking for it, not expecting it. And in fact, in verse 3, he writes, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Having been in the delivery room, I understand that, right? Um, unexpected. Um, but, but, but there's peace and there's security. When people are saying it's all good, it's all good. Now, there's all kinds of stuff to do with, with other, other things and other ideas and how, how do we reckon with this. But, but what Paul writes here is he says, the, the, the moment that Christ is coming, this is, by the way, he's not talking about order of events like we typically think about. Is there some form of tribulation that's written about? That's not his concern, remember? He said that. What he's concerned about is, are you going to be able to see this moment coming? And he goes, nope. Right? No, it's going to happen when you're not expecting it. And in fact, he says, people are going to be saying, it's all good. The world is good. We've got peace. We're prosperous. We've, we've arrived. Okay? It's all, it's all, everything's great right now. And he says, that's when it comes. That's when it comes. And there will be, this is, there will be, he says, sudden destruction. Like, there will be those who are not, who, who are not prepared. We'll say more about this in just a minute. But those who are not prepared, and destruction comes. It, it's, not like, it's not like you have this time, this ramp that's going to give you an opportunity to get your act together, to cram for the test, so that when it arrives... You can then be ready. Now, it's going to come when it's not expected. It's going to come when things seem like it's all, it's all fine, when it's going to come when people are experiencing peace and safety. And that's when the day of the Lord begins. Okay? Quite frankly, 
Could have been any number of times in the past. Could be today. It could be a long time from now. The conditions that are identified here are not unique to any one particular time. It's just, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and when it happens, it'll be a bit of a surprise. Not a bit, it'll be a surprise. So if we take this chart again, just to kind of like think about this another way, we draw lines there to kind of keep the chapters separate, but, but what we see in this, what Paul's saying is like the line between the can and the will, it's like you, you can't, we don't know where it's going to land. You can't, it's not, it's not this like clear boundary line that you're going to be able to cross over and know like, oh yeah, now, you know, now we've passed into. It's like, oh, it happened. It's like from, from an above perspective, it's pretty seamless, Okay. It's pretty seamless. So the moment of Christ's return will be quick. It's a moment. It's a second. Um, we talked about last week, and I'll say it again, this, this Greek word um, parousia, which is this idea that, that, that Christ is coming, his authority will be established, but we don't know when. We don't know when. And so once it happens, it's too late to try and prepare. That's, this is the point that Paul's making here. It's too late to try and prepare. So the only option is to live prepared now. Live prepared now, as if the next moment is the moment, right? Not as in, like, I have, I have a month to get ready, but, as, but like, it, it's now. It, it's, it's now. Like, it, am I living my life in a way that is prepared, okay? So that's those first three verses. It's kind of a little bit of a of a, of a one thought before he gets into this next idea. So take a look at verse 4, okay? Verse 4. And he says this. He says, but you, he says the thief is going to come at night, remember? He says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, okay? So he says, remember, but here's the deal. He says, that day is coming, Okay? That day is coming. The day is coming where Christ will appear. He will return, and it will usher in this, this time, the day of the Lord. And when it comes, it's not going to be good news for everyone. Okay? But that first word of verse 4 there is important. It's a big but, right? But you, he says to the church in Thessalonica, you, you're not in that darkness. You don't have to live like that. You've been, you know about this. You've been told about it. You know who Christ is. You know the work that he did. You share in his resurrection. So you're not in darkness. That it should surprise you. You should be ready. You should know, he says. You're children of light. You're children of the day. We're not in the night or the darkness. Now, it's important here because Paul draws a distinction between children of the light and I'll just say children of the darkness doesn't say children of the darkness, but it's kind of assumed there, right? He does say children of light. He draws this distinction. And he says, there are those who are children of light. He says, that's to his audience, that's you, okay? Children of light. But there's also those in the dark. And he uses light and dark here to draw a distinction between two groups of people. It's a very real distinction. We might say that, that Paul's using it in sort of theological shorthand. He's using it to say there are some who are saved and there are some who are not. There are some who will avoid the destruction and there are some who will not. Those who are saved will avoid the destruction are the children of light. 
Those who are not and will experience the destruction are the children of darkness or the children of the night. Right? And I think it's important here that we pause and we're clear. Paul's writing this letter to a, a group of people who were, he's saying, you are children of light. But it's, it's also possible that we hear this and we would say, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm a child of the light. So what does that even mean? Well, in other places, to, 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 to make sure that we understand the distinction that's made here, when Paul was asked, as recorded in Acts 16, what does it mean to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe, put your trust in Jesus and you will be saved. When you trust in Jesus, you move from being a child of darkness to a child of light. You move from future destruction to future life. Okay? So what does it mean to be saved? He writes to the church in Rome on another occasion that you believe and you confess, that you, you, you believe in Christ and his resurrection. You confess, you speak that he is your Lord, that you submit to him and his ways. That's what it means to be saved, to be a child of the light. And so we realize that, that we're separated from God. Our sin separates us from God. But it's only, the only way to be reunited with God is through the work of Jesus. We trust it. We believe in it. And part of that trusting is aligning my life with Jesus and asking for his forgiveness of my sin, for his righteousness to be on my life. And that's what it means to be a child of light. The letter that Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, he's writing it to a group of people who had made that move. I'm not trusting in my own ability to make, my, to make a way for myself. I'm not trusting in a system that, that, that allows me to believe that, that there is no future consequence. For I believe that I'm separated from my maker because of sin. And I further believe that it's only through the death and resurrection of Jesus that atones for my sin and gives me victory over that sin. And that's who he's writing this to. So when we look at this distinction, children of light and children of darkness, remember, it's the first distinction that Paul is giving them. It's the first distinction. We're going to see another one when we keep reading. Let's, we're going to read a few verses together here, so follow along with me in verse 6. He says, So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Okay? Now, a lot's said in there, and we're going to back the truck up in a minute and look at that, but I, I stop here because it brings us to another distinction. In chapter 4, Paul talked about those who were asleep, okay? and he used, a, he used a specific Greek word. That specific Greek word actually is best translated as like those who are dead. Okay? It was sleep as a euphemism for death. Here he talks about being awake and asleep, and it's a different Greek word, and it's not about death. It's just about actually, like, being asleep, okay, like, like resting, okay? So he draws a second distinction, okay? And he says, but some of you, the pronouns are important, it's possible for us to be a child of the light 
but also to be awake or asleep. It's this second distinction. He's not saying that those who are asleep are on the other side of the line. They're not children of darkness. We'll see that a little. Like I said, we're going to go back through it. But he draws this important distinction. Amongst the children of light, some are awake and some are asleep. He's saying some are alert, some are watchful, but some are, are resting. They're distracted. Maybe they're indifferent. They've dozed off. And he says we ought to be awake. The right way to be is awake. See, if you're a child of the light, you don't behave like a child of the darkness. Okay? If, if you have placed your trust in Christ, and his pronouns there are very important. We'll see them when we step back through this. But it's we and us. Okay? If we're children of the light, if we belong on the left side of that line, that's where we are, then we, we ought to live consistently with the light. Okay? So let's look back through it again and see a couple things. Okay? Back to verse 6. He says, so let us not sleep as others do. There are, look, us, he says, us. This is, he's saying, those of us children of the light, let us not sleep as others do. It's possible to be a child of the light and still behave like I'm in the dark. I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm, I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm slumbering. I'm not alert. He says, let us keep awake and be sober. He's going to use that word sober again. It's, it's, it's the same word every time he uses it, but it, it means be calm, under control. Okay? Be ready. Be watchful. Not controlled by by the things of this world, not controlled by our most basic desires, but be sober. He'll use that term in other places and say, don't, don't be controlled, don't be drunk on wine, but be controlled, be sober in the spirit. Okay? Like, be controlled by the spirit of God. So those, like, this is, here's the direction. And Lee says, this is the point, right? Sleeping is for the night, but it's daytime. Like, Losing control, being out of control, indulging myself. Those are the things that take place at night in the dark. Now, again, remember the distinction. He's already grouped people in and said, you are children of light, but it's possible as a child of the light to not live consistently with that identity. Okay? It's possible. And he says, some are doing that. Some are doing that. As others do, he says there in verse 6. In verse 8, he says, since we belong to the day, here it is again, let us be sober, let us be clear-minded. And then he, he starts to workshop this idea that gets expanded in another letter in Ephesians. He says, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation, he starts to use an analogy that you'll see again and again also in other parts of, of Paul's writing, specifically Ephesians 6, but he uses this metaphor of, of a, a breastplate of faith or a helmet that's the hope of salvation, it's it's, it's the attire of the military. It's the attire of a warrior. The implication being that the present tense life, there's a battle going on. Again, he ex expands on this in Ephesians 6 and says it's, it's a very real spiritual battle. For those, for those who are children of light, the spiritual struggle is not over. In some ways, it's just beginning. The draw to go back and live as if we're children of the darkness is real. But that's not how 
we ought to live, that living that way is inconsistent with our identity as children of the light. So he says, be ready. Be ready. With the, put on the breastplate of faith, love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. Keep this, like, on top of your head. The promise, the hope of your salvation. Life will have battles. You need spiritual armor, he says. And, 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 to, and, and when we rest, we begin taking those things off. He continues in verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath. He hasn't destined us for wrath. We, destiny is a word that um, we have a sort of uncomfortable relationship with, right? Because destiny implies that I'm not in control. I have rough news for those of us who struggle with that, though, because the Bible speaks about a destiny for us. And he says, as children of light, we're not destined for God's wrath. We like it when it's, we're not destined for wrath. The word there, the, the idea of destiny is, is, is it's something's been taken and put in a proper place. And it, it's not going to be misused. Right? This is what he says. He says, I've taken the children of light and I've put my righteousness on their account and, and they're not going to experience the wrath. Oh man, that's good news, isn't it? That's good news. Children of light experience the goodness of God. They escape the wrath. When we talk about the word, the reason why the word salvation or being saved is such an important idea is because we're saved from the wrath of God that, that, that will be experienced for those who don't have the sacrifice of Christ covering their sin. It's a reality. And he says to the children of the light, children of the day, you were not destined for wrath. You were set aside. Because what he says there, to obtain salvation, you are, you receive escape from that, salvation from it through Jesus Christ who died for us. Who died for us. But then here's this thing that he says at the end. It's not, it's not an afterthought. I think this is the point he's after in this whole section. Because there's a so that. He goes through all of that. And he says this, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Did you catch that? He's, he's, Paul has, has separated people out into children of the light, children of the dark, children of the day, and children of the night. And he says, but here's the deal. It's possible to be a children of the light, a child of the light, but to live like you're in the dark. And there was clearly, again, we have to read between the lines a little bit so, to, to understand this, but there was clearly some, some idea or some move in the church in Thessalonica that said, you know what, if you're not acting in the right way, you're going to miss out on the benefit of Christ's return. If you're not living 
like a child of the day, a child of the, the light, then the benefits of, of Jesus' return will be lost on you and you're destined for destruction. But that's not what Paul tells them. He says that, that, that Jesus died to bring grace. Whether you're awake or asleep, you get grace, child of God. It doesn't mean, now there's, there's ways, in, not jump ahead. It doesn't mean that it's a license to just do whatever you want, right? We'll say more in a minute. But, but it, what it does mean is this. It's not, it's very tempting for us, and, and, and there are many Christians who have, who've recounted this kind of experience to say, I, was, I'm, I experienced God's grace at the moment of my salvation. I believed in his grace, and then from that point forward, I believed that I had to get my act together and behave in a certain way, or God, God his grace would end for me, or I, I, I wouldn't have his favor, or whatever. If you weren't here last week, I shared some of my story, and part of my story as a little guy, I wish someone would have told me this, And maybe they did, and I was just too hard-headed to hear it. But what I believed was, if I had done something wrong on that day, and Jesus came back, he was going to miss me. Like, he was going to skip over me. It's what I believed. That if I wasn't acting the right way, I lost the benefit of God's grace and mercy through Jesus. And Paul's making a point here, and he's saying, there's going to be times where people are awake, and there's going to be times where people are asleep. And you know what? Children of light. God's grace covers them both. Oh, amen, please, right? Because here's what I know about my life today. I'm as screwed up now as ever. I'm as screwed up now as ever. I, I'm, I haven't arrived. And if God's goodness in my life is dependent upon whether or not I'm acting a certain way, I'm in major trouble. Because I've been trying this for decades now. And on my own, I can't just get my act together. Oh, there's moments here or there. But still the overwhelming narrative of my life is, what a screw-up I am. My motives are mixed at best and usually selfish, if I'm honest. And how I'll manipulate and work really hard to try and get my own way, no matter what it costs those around me. How I get controlled by the concerns of the world. And am I, can I get more so that my life can be just 1% more comfortable? And Paul says here to, to me... I. I am a child of the light. I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, you you don't have to live in fear of God's judgment. You were not destined for wrath. Oh, thank heaven. Literally, thank you. And he wraps up this section with the same words he used at the end of Chapter 4, therefore encourage one another, and he adds, build one another up just as you are doing. Keep this in mind. Share this. Make it, make it the operating center of your story, children of the light. 
the movement of God is a, is a, it is the gospel, it means it's good news. It's good news for you. Christ has done the work. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Now, when we hear this, it can, it can lend itself to, that's not like, wait a minute. At least I experience it this way now. But I have worked so hard, and I am doing my best, and there's people out there screwing around, and you're telling me they're going to get God. Yes, I am. <clears throat> Jesus himself said in uh, Matthew chapter 20, I'm going to read this to you from the message, because it, it, it'll help with some of the cultural stuff that we'd have to explain otherwise. Um, Matthew chapter 20, it says this. It says, God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. They agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Later, about 9 o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square unemployed. He told them to go to work in his vineyard, and he would pay them a fair wage, and they went. He did the same thing about noon, and again at 3 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, he went back and found others still standing around. He said, why are you standing around all day doing nothing? And they said, because no one hired us. He told them to go work in his vineyard. When the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages. Start with the last hired and go on to the first. Those hired at 5 o'clock came up and were each given a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed that they would get far more. But they got the same, each of them one dollar. Taking the dollar, they groused angrily to the manager. That's a good word, groused, right? They groused angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour, and you just made them equal to us, who slaved all day under a scorching sun. It's as if Jesus has a, like something in my head reading my thoughts. He does. He replied to the one speaking for the rest, friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to get stingy because I am generous? Here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first end up last and the last first. You see, how do we feel when someone else gets the same thing as us, even though they maybe deserve less? Have you been in a situation where someone else is maybe getting credit for your work? Present tense. Like, have you been in a situation where, like, Students in a project, you did all the work, but everybody got the A. Congratulations, you just experienced what it's like to receive the grace of God. Okay? It isn't fair. It's grace. It's his grace. And this is the good news. Now, it's, again, there's different ways to respond to this, okay? I talk, I talk here about fear and anxiety, but we could also, and I use passive indifference. Actually, in my notes, I scratched out passive, and I put active indifference, which I think is something else, right? Like, I can actively be indifferent towards God's grace. I can go, I've got it. I'm, I'm good. Let's move on with life. Paul addresses that in the church at Rome, and where they said, like, hey, we've got God's grace. Can't we just keep sinning? And he's like, oh, good luck with that, okay? Because active indifference is not faith in Christ, Okay, he makes that argument. So it's not as if, it's not as if what Paul's writing is, you're good, 
flash the deuces and move on with life, doing whatever you want to do. He says, no, 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 don't act. Those who, are, who really are children of the light, they don't act like children of the night, children of the darkness. Like that's, it's an inconsistency. It's not an inconsistency. It, it's not an inconsistency where, to say like there's normal rhythms of life and there are times where, there are areas of my life where I'm still self-absorbed. I'm still dishonest or manipulative. I'm still, there's areas of our life like that. But active indifference is not the same as faith in Christ and in his work. Fair enough. But what he does say is, don't panic. Don't panic. This is good news. This is good news. You do not have to perform in order to receive the grace of God. So I want to wrap up just with a couple questions. The first one is this. And these will be good group questions this week. How do you feel when you think about Jesus' return? You just know that last idea, right? Fear, indifference, somewhere in the middle. But I use the word feel there, not what do you think about it. Not what do you, th- how do you, what do you think? What do you feel when you honestly reflect on this truth, this promise that Christ is coming? He's going to return. Again, it, could, it could be now. It could be today. What does it stir in you? Hope and anticipation? The excitement of meeting my Savior? What do you feel? The second question, I guess I know what I did here, but how woke are you, Okay. I use that word for this reason, right? I get it. It's a button to push. But think about this. Like, I'm not talking about anything that our culture brings to it. Are you awake? In the spiritual sense? This is, this is next week. We're going to talk about, Paul gives a description of what it means to be awake. He gives bullet points with the rest of this letter. But are we woke? I, 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 I be alert. Be ready. Like, Jesus is arriving at any moment. Can I just, my last two minutes here, if you're in the room and you're someone's child and, like, it's time, like, you have to leave the house at, say, I don't know, 745, when the parent comes in at 744 and you're still in bed, that's probably how God feels when he looks at our lives and says, be ready, right? Like, get ready. It doesn't mean, like, it means get ready to go, Live our life. It's why we called this series Urgently Waiting. Like, we, we're ready all the time for the, for the return of Christ. And, and, and when he's, look, if, if he has to shake me by the collar and, you know, slap me around a little bit to get me up, I've, I'm, a, I'm awake, I'm asleep by the description. Let's, let's be about his work, right? Let's, let's do it. Let's commit to it. The last thing, and this is, this is like, the, it's, it's the Tom Burns question. If you've, if you've heard me on this, these kinds of things, you've heard me say this before. But how much do you really care about these questions? You see, when it comes to that question of like, like this awake and asleep, if I go like, I don't really care, that says something about me in my soul, okay? 
And here's like the hard finish. That takes us out of the awake and asleep conversation and puts us into the light and the dark conversation. If I don't care about being awake or asleep, the scriptures, the New Testament, in plenty of places, says you need to examine yourself, test yourself to see if you are in the faith, if you are a child of the light. So, so I, I, we need to ask this question of ourselves. Do we really care about this? How much does it matter to us? These are critical questions for us when we think about Christ's return the promise of God's grace and what it means for our lives as we live them out. I encourage you, if you're not in a group, be in one to discuss these things because we need to get to the heart on this. Let me pray. Father, we're, um, we're thankful. We're thankful for your word and your promises. And we're thankful that we can, we can see the future by looking back to what you've done before. We can, we can anticipate you keeping your word because you've kept your word faithfully to us this, this far. And God, I, um, I do ask that you would, you would help us to live in the reality of the light, that, that we, would, we would understand that life with you is meaningful without, God, the, the baggage that comes along with trying to believe that, that we, we have to or that we must, but rather, God, that we get to, that we, we, we can participate in your life. We want to be with you, and you, are, you have promised us the day we can look forward to where we get to live with you, where our communion is whole, it's full, and there's nothing keeping us from you. God, we, we believe it. Um, we don't understand it all, but we believe it. And we ask that you would help us to, to make it real in our lives, to, to walk in that light. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship in response? Be our God. Thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for your love, your care, and your mercy in our life. Thank you for the opportunity to be here together to worship your name. Lord, we put our week in your hands. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. I'm going to scrap announcements that we had listed um, just for the sake of simplicity, I feel like Tom's message really just simplified what Jesus has done for us. It's about being with him, and it's about being with his people. And in the spirit of that, and you notice we, we sing in two different languages. We're trying to reach different people groups, and as an act of worship, we're getting together this Friday night to pray specifically about reaching different people groups in our community. And so we'd love to have you join us here Friday evening. And then also as an act of worship, sorry, Thursday, Thursday. Thanks, Armando. What time? 
7. Sounds good. Thursday at 7. Armando will be here. We'll be here. We're going to pray. Thanks. We'll send out reminders. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. And I talked about simplicity. Thank you. And then also as an act of worship, with Easter season coming up, and we talk about putting our faith in Jesus, we have baptisms coming up at the end of April. And we want to let you guys know now because we're going to have some info meetings to talk more about that. So if that is a step of faith that you have not taken yet and you feel God prompting you to just make that public declaration, I follow Christ, there's a link to sign up online. And we'd love to celebrate that with you at the end of April. So we will see you guys in groups and then we'll see you back here on Sunday.